Hello and welcome to the Harmony Inspired Health Podcast, where we will be discussing all things health, wellness, Ayurveda, and topics that will enhance your personal development. My name is Harmony and I am your podcast host. I am a clinical Ayurveda and integrative health practitioner and registered nurse who specializes in women's hormonal and gut health. I am also a yoga teacher, Pilates instructor, business owner, and a mama of twin boys. My mission is to bridge the gap between modern medicine and emerging science with natural therapies and the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda and Eastern medicine. I will be speaking with leaders in the industry and starting those conversations that will bring each modality together so we can truly offer a holistic health and wellness platform that educates and inspires you to live a more simple, healthy, and balanced life. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that each episode downloads to your podcast library. Then listen up and be inspired to create perfect health, healing, and harmony within your mind and body and live your most inspired life. You, my listener, are much appreciated. From my soul to yours, namaste. I would love to stay connected with you beyond me speaking into your ear holes every time you tune into this podcast. Join our tribe and subscribe to the Ayurveda Soul Sisters Tribe Facebook group so we can carry these conversations on in there. You can say hello on Facebook at Harmony Inspired Health or Instagram at Harmony Inspired Ayurveda or hang out on my website and see all the latest events, blogs or book in for an Ayurveda and integrative health consultation or body therapy. And don't forget to grab your free ebook whilst you're there. My website is www.harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au. Before we hop into this awesome episode, I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by my six month accredited program. Ayurveda Alchemist, which will certify you as an Ayurveda lifestyle and wellness coach. Ayurveda Alchemist is for those women who are ready to get started with a career in Ayurveda, to have more income, more fulfillment, and more time to do the things that light you up. This six-month program consists of 10 live lectures, fortnightly additional live Q&A support to keep you going, daily support inside the VIP Facebook community, two guest experts to help enhance your learning and help position your new business for success. All of this and more will be available through the online portal that can be downloaded as an app so that you can take your course with you in your pocket wherever you go. As a rose gold VIP, you will also get a 30-minute coaching call with myself. Spots are limited and we start on the 26th of August. To grab your spot today, head to harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au. I can't wait to welcome you to Ayurveda Alchemist. Now let's get into today's episode. Just a little side note before we get into the episode. This episode was actually recorded last year and since then, I have become qualified as a Western acupuncturist. So I went and did a course for Western acupuncture and dry needling. And I am also enrolled in my master's of TCM, traditional Chinese medicine and traditional Chinese acupuncture as well. So I'm getting a really nice rounded scope of all of the different health um, philosophies and modalities, which is lovely. So I've had, I've obviously got my um, Western medicine background in nursing and um, Ayurvedic medicine, which is the root of um, all of the work that I do. And I'm really passionate and love Ayurveda and also now um, studying 
traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture, which is amazing to bring it all together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Harmony, your podcast host. And today we have the wonderful Joanna McMeekin, and we will be talking about acupuncture for women's health. Joanna is a Chinese medicine practitioner who supports women of all ages with hormonal imbalances, period problems, fertility challenges, recurrent infections, or menopause symptoms. Her services include acupuncture, herbal medicine, and cosmetic acupuncture. And a fun fact about Joanna is that she loves flamingos, as I discovered when we were liaising over this podcast episode. Anyone who loves flamingos has to be a fun-loving person, so I'm excited to welcome Joanna to the podcast. Welcome, Joanna. Hi, Harmony. Thank you very much for having me on, me and my flamingos. Yeah, I thought I'd throw in that fun fact after we You should. I love them because they look like they should be mythical creatures, but they're not. Yeah, totally. And they're such an amazing colour, aren't they? This bright pink bird that stands around on one leg. Yeah, I know. Who can't love flamingos? But before we get into all of the juicy stuff about acupuncture, I always ask my guests some rapid inspiration questions just to find out a little bit more about how you roll. So let's get started with those. Can you inspire us with what your superpower is? Uh Um, Other than being able to pick up a book and open it pretty much to the exact page that I need more often than not. <laughs> I would say that my superpower is that I'm interested in pretty much everything. So that kind of curiosity always spurs me to learn more. And I think um, it doesn't matter if it's important to someone, then I love seeing their passion about a subject. So I think my curiosity would probably be my superpower. Oh, I love that. Great conversationalist you would be then great listener and being able to engage with people if you're um, curious and always curious about what other people are curious in. Yeah, I ask a lot of questions. (laughs) It's the only way to learn. And what's your favourite quote or mantra? You might actually know this one. My favourite quote is, everything is either medicine or poison. It just depends on the dose. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. my children know that they've been known to to quote it at various different times, but I think it's um, it's got a lot of wisdom in it. You know, nothing's inherently good or inherently bad. It just depends on uh, how you're applying it in your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of um, the, the Ayurvedic sayings we always use is, yeah, one man's um, medicine could be another man's poison. So very yeah. similar. Yeah. Yeah. And who or what is inspiring you at the moment? I only recently um, came across Amy Purdy. Have you, are you familiar with her? So Amy's, um, Amy's this incredible young woman who at the age of about 19, I think, got um, bacterial meningitis, I think it was. And she wound up having to have both her legs amputated below the knee and she lost like her spleen and her kidneys, her father. It's actually I think yesterday was the 20 year anniversary of when her father donated one of his kidneys to her. Um, And she's gone on to just have this incredible life. She was on Dancing with the Stars. She's uh, an athlete. She loves snowboarding. Yeah. Before she had her um, illness. And then she has, I think she's competed at like an Olympic level for snowboarding and one medal. Yeah. She's just, if you, if you haven't um, come across Amy Purdy, she's an incredibly inspirational person and I've been um, hanging out over on her Instagram account quite a lot lately. So (laughs) yeah, I'm going to have to check her out. She sounds amazing. I can't believe I haven't heard of her. (laughs) No, as I said, I only recently came across her myself. Yeah. Right. I'll be definitely looking that up. (laughs) Nice. And so what does an inspired life look and or feel like to you? I think an inspired life comes about when uh, you've got the right balance between the things that you have to do in life that we all have to do, like laundry and dishes and (laughs) all the, all the mundane stuff and the things that you love to do, you know? Mm. So if you're waking up uh, each day, if you, it's that classic thing, I think Steve Jobs um, is quite famous for saying that, if you were given a year to live and you looked at the things that you were about to do that day, how many of them would you change? 
And if each day you, you know, you wouldn't really change much, then I think you're on the right path. Yeah, exactly. And you have to create your balance. Definitely. It just doesn't evolve. Yeah. You've definitely got to create it. Correct. My husband has a saying, crap expands to fill all available space. <laughs> so yeah, you, yeah, you really need to yeah. push back um, and make sure that there's enough space, as you say, to create the balance between the have to's and, and the things that actually sustain you and nurture you. Mm, beautiful. And so to kick off this episode, I would love for you to tell our audience your journey of how you came to do what you do today and end what you do. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's not a linear journey, although I think it's also probably not super uncommon. Um, but my background was not in health. My background was in business. So I graduated school and just for want really of actually knowing what I wanted to do, I wound up studying business and I didn't like it. And it wasn't much of a surprise then when I graduated to find that I didn't like any of the jobs that I got (laughs) and wasn't particularly good at them either. (laughs) So um, I had a bit of a midlife crisis in my twenties. I remember I went on holiday to Fiji and I sort of had this real epiphany that, you know, I wasn't on the right path and I wanted to change something. And I think that's when I started toying with the idea of um, the timeline's a bit foggy, but I think that's when I started toying with the idea of going back to study naturopathy actually. And when I got back from that trip, I wound up getting fired from my job, (laughs) which at the time sort of seemed really uh, disastrous, but very quickly I realized um, was the universe hearing, hearing what I'd said, hearing what I'd asked for, you know, I wanted to change and the universe seldom responds in the way we think that it should. (laughs) Uh, So that, yeah, enabled me to go. And I did go back and study initially to become a naturopath. And while I was studying naturopath, naturopathy I had to do an assignment on one of the other modalities that was offered at the university that I studied at and I chose Chinese medicine without really knowing much about it um and it was like a homecoming you know I just yeah it was like my all all the things that I kind of thought I understood about the workings of the world were all laid out in front of me in this I still remember the textbook that I was reading this blue textbook and I knew then that I'd have to transfer and then I had a bit of a hissy fit because I'd already yeah. done three years of naturopathy but oh, gosh. <laughs> I thought it must have been like in your first year or something wow yeah really? so I went I went back and uh, I went in and yeah transferred my major and the rest as they say is history that's so amazing you actually gave me goosebumps when you said that like I just those intuitive goosebumps where you're just so on point like I too I love when people are passionate about their work and they really find their dharma and they're living that so yeah. I'm just, I just love that for you, that you, you found that path. I myself would love to study acupuncture. I think it's such a great modality. Um, and if I probably had my time all over again, back in the day, I probably would have loved to have chosen to study that first up. Um, but I am also very grateful that my nursing degree has got me where I am today. And my, I love I sort of found my dharma and my path in Ayurvedic medicine. So I feel really rooted and really grounded in that. So I'm really grateful as well that I have seen, been able to sort of mold the sort of Western medical background modalities with the naturopathy through um, Ayurveda and integrative health medicine. Um, but yeah, if I could do acupuncture on top of that, I would love it. <laughs> I think there's, um, that was potentially, that's potentially another superpower of mine is I could study for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. (laughs) So you could probably study for the rest of your life as well, but um, (laughs) there's always something interesting to do, but there's actually a lot of crossover, I think, between Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, you know, I think they've, when they trace back the the lineage or the history, yeah. it kind of starts to merge in. It as, does, yeah. Absolutely, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, yeah. and so the acupuncture that um, Ayurveda uses is, well, they use mama points, um, and that's more sort of manual pressing in the mama points, which is sort of similar to the meridian points. But there is like an acupuncture form of that, which is mama puncture. But I just don't know where in Australia there is a mama puncture course. Like it's not as, um, Mm. I guess, available as acupuncture. However, there is a course that I am looking at, which is Western acupuncture, which I might be doing next year. So 
hopefully <laughs> do it yeah, yeah I yeah. think it'd be a great compliment to what you do absolutely yeah I'd love love to and don't, like them. people get really scared I mean one of the um the incredible teachers that I I studied his um school of acupuncture I was never directly taught by him sadly he passed on Dr Richard Tan but he once said you know acupuncture is just a skill like you can learn it in six months like anything else yeah. it's your ability to work with patients yeah. that is the yeah. you know that's the harder part of it you know and that's that's really broad whether you're using your intuition and then how you engage with people recognizing what someone needs in the moment but yeah, yeah acupuncture like anything it's it's something that you can learn and you can learn it relatively quickly so I wouldn't be um I wouldn't be put off by okay yeah yeah I'd, I'd get in the there amount and, of study yeah yeah exactly that's what yeah. I'm trying to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe you should do a, a more shorter course on just like for, for pra- who are people already as practitioners in the health field on the skill of acupuncture yeah Yeah, I think um I think that's done a little bit in the context of dry needling which is sort of like musculoskeletal acupuncture but I think um that taking I say to you you can it's a skill you can learn in six months because you have the understanding of um the tradition you know like yeah whereas I think if you take it out of context and yeah. you don't teach it in context with the tradition that it comes from, like that sort of Taoist philosophy or Ayurvedic philosophy, yeah. then I think it becomes more like medical acupuncture, which still has its place, mm-hmm. but it's a very different thing. Very different. Yeah, totally understand. Yeah, thanks for bringing that point up, actually. I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I wanted to, yeah, talk about acupuncture today. As you hear, I'm a bit of a fan <laughs> in regard to women's health because I see a lot of women's health issues in my clinic Um hormonal issues in particular and gut health. So I'd love to hear from your perspective uh, what, well, first of all, what hormonal imbalances that you currently see mostly in your clinic, because I know that's sort of your area of work as well. And actually we should probably talk about exactly what acupuncture is just for those people listening who may not have come across it I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this podcast has heard of acupuncture but if you could just describe and explain the process of acupuncture what it is and also what sort of hormonal imbalances you mostly see in your clinic acupuncture is one of the five pillars of Chinese medicine so it's probably one of the more well-known ones, but there's also diet, uh, qigong or exercise, Mm -hmm. massage, and then acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine, which is Mm -hmm. another really strong pillar. And the body is covered in meridians and channels that your energy, your chi and your blood flow through. And acupuncture is the process of getting really fine single use needles and inserting them into the body at certain locations along these channels in order to rearrange the chi and the blood. Mm. Um, And they've done a lot of research into acupuncture and they continue to do research. And there was a study done, uh, I think it was in about 2014 where they used CT scans. Mm. And what they saw was that at acupuncture points in the body, there's an observable difference in the structures of the body, how they look compared with non-acupuncture points in the body. So acupuncture, you'll go to see a Chinese medicine practitioner and they'll take your pulse and look at your tongue and ask you 101 different questions. And then based on their diagnosis, they're going to use these needles inserted into these acupuncture points and channels to try and uh, bring about a change, a a change in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the kind of uh, hormonal imbalances that I see most in my clinic, I would say probably everyone's producing too much cortisol to begin with. (laughs) But if you're talking more specifically about like women's reproductive health, um, in infertility cases, I sort of see that subclinical hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. picture a lot. So people will go and they'll get their bloods run and their thyroid functioning results will come back within normal range. But normal range is not necessarily optimal range for fertility. So I see that often on the background of a little bit of like progesterone, low progesterone as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I work with, um, at the moment, I've got quite a few menopausal patients. Uh, so, you know, seeing that estrogen decline mm-hmm. as well. So they're probably the two at the moment off the top of my head that I'm seeing. Yeah, I can imagine um, that acupuncture would be amazing for fertility. And I actually did have acupuncture when I was trying to conceive and 
I mean, the only thing I can say is it must have done something because I conceived twins. <laughs> but um, yeah, I could also see how helpful it would be for menopausal women as well. So, and I just um, like to point out to our listeners, um, if they sort of more follow the path of sort of Ayurvedic medicine, we speak of prana, like life force energy, whereas um, Joanne will be using chi. So we also use um, chi in yin yoga when we talk about the meridians and chi energy. But yeah, they're kind of interchangeable. Those words are very similar. It's that pranic life force energy that we're talking about. Um, So... How exactly does acupuncture help treat the hormonal imbalances? Now, you did just talk about the meridian points, um, but is there different treatment points depending on the hormonal issue or is there sort of a set sequence? How does it exactly work? So your body actually wants to be in balance Mm -hmm. and people listening to that, although it doesn't sound like with your listeners, they're probably right on board with that. But some people might hear that and think that that sounds a bit like la-la, hippie kind of woo-woo talk. But it's actually quite scientific because your body is designed to function a certain way. And if you're operating in a state of dysregulation, that's using more a lot more energy and your body doesn't like to use more energy than it needs to. Our bodies are the ultimate energy conservation machine. So all you have to do for for the majority of people is put the body back in an environment where it can correct into homeostasis. And that's the direction that it's going to want to go. Mm. And in Chinese medicine, you know, if we talk really, really simply where we're looking at the balance in the body between yin and yang. And so people are probably familiar with the Taiji, you know, the symbol was a very mm-hmm. popular tattoo back in the eighties, yeah. <laughs> the yin and yin and yang, the black and the white. And those two are always kind of fluctuating and moving and interchanging and um, interacting with each other. And when they're not doing that in a balanced way, that's when we start to see illness um, or disease in the body. So acupuncture is working to rectify that balance between yin and yang all the time. And what that means from a scientific point of view, they're not 100% sure. So they've got some theories and one of the leading theories around um how it balances hormones is that it modulates the HPOA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. And that's the way in which your body's brain communicates with your ovaries. So by having a modulatory effect, if your body's not producing enough of something, it can increase the production of of that substance. And if it's producing too much of something, like maybe you've got an androgen excess, for example, so producing too much male hormone, um, it can down-regulate that. But having said that, they've done studies in animal models where they've taken rats and removed the ovaries and then given the rats a course of acupuncture. And at the end of that, they've measured their serum estradiol levels. So Mm -hmm. uh, estradiol is a form of estrogen. So they measure them before the acupuncture and then after the acupuncture. And they are able to detect a statistically significant say that past three times yeah, yeah. statistically significant shift um, in their serum estrogen levels the serum estrogen levels go up yeah. even though they don't have ovaries so it's still a bit of a mystery um, as to how it works exactly like I said there are a few leading theories and in terms of point selection uh, that will depend on a couple of things it'll depend on what you're trying to do so having determined what's going on with yin and yang and chi and blood in the body uh, whether things are stuck and they're not moving, whether you need to you know, nourish a deficiency or clear away an excess, then you'll choose your points and your point combinations according to that. So it can be a little bit different depending on what you're trying to do. And then in addition to that, it depends which style of acupuncture you're using. So I have studied a few different styles um, because acupuncture has been around for a really, really long time. Yeah. So there's lots of different styles. And in one of the styles that I use a lot of in um, working with hormones is the balance method that I talked about before. And that's in that style, you actually feel along the channels, you palpate along the channels and you look for tender spots and that will vary from person to person. And then you insert the needle in the tender spot. And that's a really, you know, individualized treatment because that person's body, it sounds a little bit like the mama needling you were talking about before where you, you feel around. Yeah. And so that person's body is telling you exactly where they want 
the needles put in in order to kind of um, achieve that flow and that balance that we're looking for. Yeah, wonderful. I think um, yeah, there's been a lot of studies on acupuncture and how beneficial it can be for lots of lots of different things. I think, though, with the sort of um, natural health world, it is hard to get really good studies because we don't have the placebo effect. It's like it's if you're doing the lifestyle or the thing, you're doing it, but there's sort of no alternative placebo, whereas in medicine, you can give a medication, you can also give a placebo medication, you don't know what you're taking. So it's a little bit hard. They can easily get like that scientific sort of report written up, the, the group that took the real medication to the placebo medication, but it is harder in natural health to do that, even though the science have proven to work over thousands of years, especially Chinese medicine and Ayurveda that date back, you know, 6,000 years plus, plus, plus. I mean, it was first documented, I mean, from an Ayurvedic perspective in the Vedas, which are 6,000 years old, but obviously was handed down through oral traditions far beyond that. It's just, even though it sort of stood the test of time because of the effect that you don't really, you can't use a placebo for, it's either a good lifestyle or a shitty lifestyle, you know what I mean? So sometimes it's really hard to get these evidence. Although with acupuncture, there has been, like you mentioned, the the one with the using the rats for taking out their ovaries, like there is some ways that they can scientifically prove how well it is actually working. So the I issue that we have when it comes to, um, so, so you can actually still get the placebo effect in acupuncture. And I would even argue that the placebo effect is involved in all medicine because yeah. your brain is really, really primitive. So they've actually given, um, they've done studies on this where they give people a sugar pill who have like headaches, for example. Yes. And they say, here is a placebo. Here mm. is a sugar pill. There is no medicine in this. We and want you to take feel- it every day anyway. Yeah. And they still get better because the brain is, every day you're putting this pill in your mouth and you're swallowing with a glass of water. And we sort of have come to believe that if you're taking your vitamins, you know, you're taking your yeah. pill. So they'll still have a percentage of people who will improve. Yeah. So I think the placebo effect is kind of rolled into everything. Um, mm-hmm. But for Chinese medicine in particular, we struggle to get these randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trials yeah. done because we don't treat everyone who has the same condition the same way. And there's a really, really famous um, kind of example that you sort of learn about week one of Chinese medicine, you know, which is if five people come in to see a Chinese medicine practitioner and they have, I think it's a headache, you may actually get five different treatments, five different courses of action within each of those five people. Cause it might be liver yang rising in one person. It might be blood deficiency in another person. Absolutely. So, so you can't get, 20 or 30 or 300 people together and give them all the exact same treatment because what's happening for them is a little bit is unique you know and so that's where we that's where we struggle to get the scientific evidence Mm. that you're talking about unfortunately absolutely because you're treating the root cause which is different for everyone but the symptoms manifest into the same sort of symptoms but it can begin from something completely different that makes that makes a lot of sense Absolutely. And so in your clinic, um, I know I see a lot of women with endometriosis and PCOS, they're becoming quite sort of common or more readily diagnosed these days and irregular periods as well. I know we've talked about briefly about like the rising cortisol and stress hormones. Um, Does acupuncture suit these clients? Is it good for these clients and how kind of spoke about how it works that we don't really know but with the chi energy is it the same kind of thing and have you seen good effect with these kind of clients so the short answer is yes um (laughs) yes (laughs) acupuncture works (laughs) um and particularly if we're you know it's amazing for pain relief so Mm. if pain is a primary symptom then it's it's a wonderful um, addition to a treatment protocol. But with these kind of conditions, and this sort of uh, follows on from what we were talking about before, everyone's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So um, we know it can modulate. We know acupuncture has a modulatory effect on the hormones to some degree. So if these conditions are hormonally driven conditions, then logically we can sort of assume that we're going to be able to shift that condition in a, in a positive direction. And I see, um, I do see a lot of positive responses among my clients, but it's usually the ones that are really committed to a lifestyle overhaul, which you've sort of touched on before, right? There's that saying, 
you can't outtrain a bad diet yeah. and yeah you can't out acupuncture shitty yeah. lifestyle habits yeah. so you know if if a person is going to be sleeping five hours a night and they work a really stressful job and they have to have coffee in the morning to get going and then wine at night to wind down and they're just using all sorts of products on their body with you know fragrances full of xenoestrogens and you know they're eating foods that are inflammatory to their body then acupuncture may have little to no effect yes. <laughs> but in, in conjunction with looking at what's going on in the whole system then it's another really important uh, piece of the puzzle definitely and so many of these conditions are affected um, by stress you know because mm. stress is probably totally. arguably at the heart of almost all conditions absolutely <laughs> I just um, ran a women's health uh, talk on the weekend and I was explaining to them like I went through all these conditions and hormonal conditions and I'm like you know, we all hate to hear it, but at the root cause, a lot of the time it comes down to stress and lifestyle. And that's often for people, the hardest thing to fix because you actually have to do something about it and you actually have to change your lifestyle and work out ways to manage your stress. And so it just keeps going because if you don't do that at the root of it, then not much changes and we can put a sort of a bandaid effect over the symptoms, but we're not actually going to treat the root that's creating the domino effect of the cause so now it's your turn to give me goosebumps because yeah, yeah that's I mean preach sister like yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> at the heart of it and I think we can get away with a lot when we're younger yeah. you know but as we start to get older um it catches up with us and totally. unfortunately you don't operate in a consequence-free environment so the choices that you make have your, your body it's, I see sometimes people come in and they're really, really frustrated with their body and they're like, my body is letting me down, my body's failing me, why mm. is this happening? And I have to try and point out to them that they need to reframe that. Their body's calling out to them. Their body's asking them to, to hear something is not working and you need to figure out what it is that's causing, that's driving. Um, and, you know, it can be complicated and for some people it's not always as simple as eat vegetables and sleep a little bit more, you know? Yeah. So for yeah. those people that are stuck under really chronic conditions and they're struggling, um, I'm certainly not trying to minimize what they're going through, but for the vast majority of people, uh, yeah, that your body's just trying to give you a message that something that you're doing is not serving your interests. That's right. And I think it's also important tonight to note, sorry, that it is an accumulated effect over time. So it's not like you have, these symptoms so your body like as you were saying it's it's speaking to you but it starts with little whispers that often we don't recognize and we ignore and it's not till it starts screaming at us that we say oh something's going on my body's letting me down but really if you look back when it first started speaking to you it was like a two three four five year period and then we get people clients come into clinic and they you know think you know, six weeks, a six weeks sort of cleanse program or something to help rebalance hormones is a long time when that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, drop in the ocean. You, yeah. you know, you can't have something for six, seven years leading up and then it's going to be fixed within a few weeks, really. And I think Absolutely. it's really and in, And indeed, you may never be able to return to some of those behaviours, you know, yeah. like they, they, I see alcohol and coffee are two really good examples where for some people, they've just got to be done with them. You know, they're yeah. not the tolerance for them is, with coffee. It yeah. really doesn't serve me. It was just my cortisol completely out of whack when I um, drink coffee and the anxiety and all of those things that come along with it. And I just can't have it like and and exhaustion, like it actually depleted my energy ever since I stopped drinking. I just have such more stable longevity sort of energy throughout the day because you're not riding the highs and lows. Um, yeah. So I've actually recently just given up coffee myself and mm. you know I identify I'm, I'm a Melbourneian right so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be asked to leave yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah I'm in some ways I'm a little bit disappointed at how beautifully my body has responded to cutting coffee out I, I made the decision because I started to realize that the idea of not having a cup of coffee made me panic yeah <laughs> and I thought that's not healthy. So I said, I'm just going to give it up for a month. And I gave it up for a month. And so many other things that, like you're saying, these whispers, things that I didn't even really consider to be things just kind of melted away. And I wasn't, yeah, pitching the, the highs and the lows. So I'm probably going to stay away from it 
now as well. And part of me is a little bit sad, a little bit nostalgic, but I realized that my time's just come with coffee. So yeah, you can, you can get away with some things for a period of time and Mm -hmm. then it's time to just move on from those behaviors if they're no longer serving you. Yeah, absolutely. And so on that, how many sort of treatments do you generally recommend to your clients? Uh, Obviously coming in for one acupuncture session is not going to make an enormous um, change. So how many sort of sessions do you advise them to come in for? So acupuncture actually it can happen immediately, a change. If you're dealing with pain in particular, um, there's other things that you can see an immediate shift on, but pain in particular. So I have um, patients who suffer from endometriosis and they will book their acupuncture session for the month at the time in their cycle when their pain is the highest. So either a couple of days before their period Mm. or a couple of days, first couple of days of their period. And you can have a woman come in and her pain is like, she'll rate it eight out of 10 when she walks in. And at the end of a treatment, a 40-minute treatment, her pain's zero out of 10, you know? Amazing. It is amazing. Uh, Yeah. And now she may get an hour, she -hmm. may get a day, or for that woman, it might be enough. And that's that's that. The pain's gone for Mm -hmm. the duration of her cycle. That can vary. Um, But... As again, compliance is an issue as well, so, or is a factor. So if if someone comes, acupuncture doesn't um, operate just in a silo. So it's part of a picture. It's part of a holistic yeah. approach to health. Is that word right? The classic yeah. holistic approach, but it really, really is. And so if um, if I see a client and they come in and we identify that there's maybe half a dozen things that are contributing to the condition and she can only change one or two of them, then she might find that her body is a bit slower to respond to acupuncture and she might need more sessions. Mm-hmm. I would say in, in a lot of cases when people come in for acupuncture, particularly those who um, one of their family members has had acupuncture and they've really enjoyed it and they've had a great result and they send in one of their family members who's not really struggling with anything major if they just applied the diet and lifestyle changes that we talked about and I didn't even give them acupuncture, they would probably still see an effect. Like it's so, so important. Um, But typically we talk about working with a woman who comes in for hormonal issues for about three months. And the number of treatments that she'll have in that, in that, uh, time frame are probably about six to ten mm-hmm. and the frequency will change so in the initial stages you want to get a little bit of momentum on the treatment so you might have um, an acupuncture treatment once a week for two or three weeks and then you might start stretching that out to fortnightly and then monthly after that mm-hmm. um, but I would expect to see changes within the first cycle definitely but mm-hmm. you know general rule sort of thing we're looking at three cycles Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. And we did briefly speak how acupuncture serves um, fertility and also menopausal women. Can you just explain a little bit more about that, how it helps fertility, if there's sort of any evidence behind that or and also menopause, what sort of relief they get from it? Yeah, so with um, fertility, we've talked a lot about how acupuncture is really good at reducing stress. Yeah. And, um, you know, for women that are trying to fall pregnant, it is a really stressful time mm-hmm. and stress is, is not great if you're trying to fall pregnant. And that's at least in part because if your body has to choose, you know, between producing cortisol that we've been talking about a lot here today, but if your body has to choose between producing cortisol or producing progesterone, it's going to choose cortisol every time because that could keep you alive. Whereas, you know, progesterone is just going to keep you pregnant, which might not yeah. be, your body doesn't know the difference between end of quarter and a famine right it just knows it's really really stressful and if it's a famine i.e end of quarter it's a really bad time to have a baby because there's no food around so your body is not giving priority to your reproductive health so helping to kind of reduce stress i think is really important and uh, it also potentially modulates those uh, hormones that fluctuate during the course of the cycle that need to be doing certain things at certain times in order for fertility to be optimized. So through the lens of Chinese medicine, we would, you know, during the period we're looking to move and clear. And then in the first half of the cycle, we're looking to nourish yin. So that I suppose Mm. would translate not not only to, but simply to um, making sure the estrogen levels are right. Mm. 
Mm. And then in the middle of the cycle, when you've got ovulation, which is quite an active event, you want to make sure there's no stagnation and that things can move and flow freely. And then after ovulation, you're looking to consolidate. That's more yang time, you know, where the body's looking to like hold on to that pregnancy. So doing different acupuncture at different times in that cycle to make sure that those things are happening when they need to. Uh, it can also be a really good complement to Western intervention if the patient is at that point in their journey. So whether they're doing drug-assisted um, reproductive therapy or uh, IVF, because again, you're sort of consolidating and reinforcing what's going on from a Western point of view. And then of course, acupuncture is part of a holistic system. Mm -hmm. So you're also talking to the clients about things that maybe are not identified by their Western medical doctor that may be playing a role, you know, vitamin D levels being a little bit different. Again, what's normal yeah. from a Western model, normal health is perhaps not optimal health for fertility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's picking up those little bits that maybe have fallen through the little bits of information that might've fallen through the cracks and sort of applying those as well. So there's a few things going on, I think there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so is there any contraindications with acupuncture? So any times you shouldn't have acupuncture? No. There are contraindications. Um, there are certain points contraindicated, particularly if we're talking again about fertility and pregnancy. Yeah. There are certain points that have a really moving uh, effect. And yeah. if you're trying to hold and consolidate after mm. implantation or after fertilization, that's said to be quite a fragile time you know because that that embryo has got to implant and implant nicely and strongly yeah. so you you wouldn't want to be moving too much at that point because the body's trying to hold so there are points that are contraindicated for certain conditions but um oh. generally speaking there's not really any contraindications to receiving acupuncture although uh you know if you've got a deficient patient you don't go in and throw hundred needles in them you would maybe just choose yeah. a, a couple of points as well so again you you tailor the treatment to what the patient's body is telling them and i just remembered you asked about menopause and yeah. i didn't answer that question so i can answer that now um in menopause we were talking before about yin and yang and yin is the female energy and yang is the masculine energy so women naturally pertain more to yin which is uh, relates to water and you know yang relates to fire so we we have menstrual cycles we lose blood blood is a fluid we create breast milk it's a fluid you know we're yin yeah. and over time that yin will start to decline and in men they're more yang you know they're typically stronger if you look at their sexual function you know the ability to get and sustain an erection that's like a dynamic sort of movement um, the active ejaculation that's dynamic again so over time they start to see a deficiency of yang their yang will decline and they'll have different sort of symptoms. So they may have, you know, difficulty sustaining an erection or getting an erection. Whereas women start to have this lack of water energy in the body and they start to display heat signs, whether that's hot flushes, vaginal dryness, insomnia, sweats. So what we're trying to do with um, acupuncture is to, supplement that yin energy in the body and how that you know how that works scientifically we talked before about the animal studies where it was possible to actually increase the levels the serum levels of estrogen in rats that didn't even have ovaries so how it happens specifically again there's theories we're not 100 percent sure but we're working to nourish the yin in these women to kind of reduce the severity and frequency of those symptoms Mm, beautiful. I think just thinking here, like from an Ayurvedic perspective, it seems like the acupuncture, as you mentioned, it helps with the flow of chi. So it helps um, from an Ayurvedic perspective, I guess, the right flow of vata in the body. So that could help with sort of regulating periods and all of those things, because you want a Panavayu, which is like the downward flowing motion of the body. And I guess when we're looking at acupuncture and Chinese medicine, it would be the right flow of chi for the female body. And also when you're talking menopause, exactly what you said, um, a lot of the time when we transition through menopause, especially a lot of women these days, they're still working, they're still highly productive and in their business. And, and it's a very pitter phase of life. Whereas when you transition into menopause, that's sort of going into more of a vata phase of life where you get that dryness, as you mentioned, 
and sort of like, you know, you can get the brittle bones and all of these things and a change in, in uh, hormones. But back in the day, women would start to rest a lot more and, and transition through that. But now we've got like people, women still being so highly productive and so pitta, so which is the fire elements in Ayurvedic terms. And so we want to reduce that heat. And it sounds like, again, that acupuncture helps regulate the pitta and reduce the pitta in the, in the body to sort of help. Because also when we have our period, when we uh, bleed, that helps to regulate pitta. So every month we release blood and that menses cycle helps to reduce pitta. But when you go into menopause, you do not have that bleed so you don't get to reduce the fire the heat in the body but you're still doing very fiery activities and living in that pitta lifestyle therefore you can get a bit of that heat uh, generated and trapped in the body so we do a lot of sort of um body work and diet and lifestyle and relaxation sort of things and a lot of herbs that reduce heat in the body to help pitta and it sounds like that i know from my point of view that acupuncture for menopausal women really helps to reduce the pitta the heat in the body by generating that beautiful flow like you said the yin sort of supporting the yin so that completely makes sense to me I just fist pumped the air when you were talking Ooh. because that's something that I have to talk to my menopausal women and perimenopausal women about all the time is that, um, like you say, traditionally, it would be a time of slowing down. And in fact, in Chinese medicine, it's seen as kind of like a rebirth for the woman in a lot of ways into back into her own life because mm. all of those hormones that bond you to an infant, that drive you to like, you know, give your life and your concentration to your offspring and to the family, they kind of start to decline so that you can be a little bit more self-focused mm. um, and you can step into like your wisdom as well that sage wisdom but like you said these women they're still working in their business their children have had children a lot of the time so they're babysitting grandchildren yeah. their parents are aging and so they're looking after elderly parents and your energy your body's energy it's not this um this ever-present ongoing abundance of energy you have a finite amount that you have to ration out yeah. and you're getting to a stage of life as you said where you you need to start winding that back but there's not that space in the western culture so mm -hmm. yeah we use um we use herbs as well i use a lot of herbs and diet like you said so diet really if i can change change it with the diet that's where i like to work because food's our first form of medicine that's you know, it. and you don't want to be constantly taking herbs and supplements mm. and they're good to kind of like jumpstart the car, yeah. but you, you want to make sure that you don't, you're not reliant on them and maybe, or at least you're only reliant on one or two rather than taking like this whole raft of supplements. But as we talked about before, changing the diet can be one of the hardest things for some people. So yeah, <laughs> but that's so interesting what you say about, um, I have a feeling that you and I could really spend a lot of time talking oh, I'm fascinated absolutely. I love Ayurveda actually I recommended it to a couple of clients who I think um I, I don't know I just got the vibe that they really would benefit from understanding yeah. their body that way and they came back yeah. and they're like I looked into that and it was so fascinating and I deliberately myself haven't looked into it because like I said before I would study all the things if I could yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no yeah. I've picked a lane I'm in the yeah. Chinese medicine lane right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely but yeah I feel like everything you say or I say it's like it could almost come from either of us like we're just on point with that's and that's again because the tradition traditions probably come from that same core Absolutely. so it's really wonderful yeah. I love it and I love um yeah for you to come on and be able to share it from the Chinese medicine perspective I just like I said find it so interesting and yeah love how they come together and uh just sort of to wrap it up a little bit because we did um talk about herbal supplements and I know you said acupuncture is only one of the five limbs of Chinese medicine and so herbal supplements is another one. What are some of the Chinese herbs that you use for hormonal imbalance in women? So again, um, we sort of, we understand and we learn our herbs in the context of yin and yang, moving chi, tonifying or dispersing, et cetera. So I have a few different formulas that I like to use depending on what we're trying to do. Um, and there are some common herbs that you see that will repeat in those formulas. One of them is Romania, I think, is okay. it's um, yeah. is it's 
Western name. Um, but the beauty of Chinese herbal formulas is that you can get like a really nice base formula. And then as we were talking about before, because everybody's individual, you yeah. can add in a few different things. So you might have a yin deficiency in this client, but she's also got spleen chips. So her digestion isn't quite strong enough. So you can tweak the formula a little bit to warm up the digestion or whatever it happens mm. to be. Um, so I use herbal medicine a lot, particularly initially. Um, I've gone off track. I do that. What was the, what was the rest <laughs> of your question? The herbs, the herbs that you suggest for sort of hormonal um, imbalances. So yeah, it's that one. That's right. That one is sort of horses for courses. So it depends yeah. what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think another one that we use a bit is bupurum. Yeah. Uh, we call it chai hu in Chinese okay. medicine yeah. and uh, white peony by oh, Shao. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is another one. And one that I really, really like um, is Vitex, yes. but we actually don't, in Amateria Medica, it's sort of not listed under yeah. that hormonal category. It's more, we use it to brighten the eyes, okay. yeah, okay. um, but it can work on the liver channel and the liver in Chinese medicine is one of the key organs involved in um, menstruation and women's reproductive health. So, yeah. but it's a really nifty little supplement because it's, like I said, I like to try and reduce, reduce, reduce mm. to the bare minimum of external interventions. And a lot of women, whether they're suffering dysmenorrhea, younger women or older women mm. with menopausal hot flushes, like you can do a lot with that yeah. one supplement. But something I always say is um, do not self-prescribe. Uh, yes. So always make sure that you check in with a herbalist who can help mm. you find the right um, balance and blend of herbs for you. So just kind of throw yeah. that out there as a little caveat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Vitex is great and the white peony and um, another herb we use a lot for women's health is shadavari i don't know if that's a not in your chinese it name. will be potentially yeah. but i'd have to look it up yeah. um i think there's one do you use ashwagandha as well yeah as yeah, yeah the whole another. endocrine system that's quite yeah, a yeah, popular ayurvedic herb a lovely herb yeah um, very there probably would be heaps of crossover but we'd have to like we totally. you know how with the latest iphone update there's like yes. the Apple Translate. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to develop an app that translates like Ayurvedic herbs and TCM herbs. I can talk so into mine and you can listen. And <laughs> Yeah, that would be so good, actually. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I really love this conversation. I, it's re like really interesting to me and I hope um, really interesting to all of our listeners as well. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your Chinese medicine wisdom with us. Really appreciate it. Can you let all of our listeners know where they can find you if they'd like to book an appointment with you, um, learn more from you from social media, all of those things? I've had an absolute blast on this on this call. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been really, really fun. And I've loved learning the little tidbits of Ayurveda from you as well. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I can be contacted via my website and I'm assuming you'll put everything in show notes. That's what yeah. podcast people do. I went on a podcast the other day and yeah. spelled everything out. <laughs> Because I have like a, I have like a tricky to spell surname. So I like spelled yeah. it out for everybody, but that's not necessary. So, <laughs> um, so they can go to my website and I've got a contact form on the website so they can send through their details and we can start a conversation that way if they've got questions. And I also um, have a profile on Instagram uh, if anybody wants to look me up and follow along there. So they're probably the two best places to get me. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. I will put your website in the show notes. <laughs> Thanks. That's great. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners and namaste. Namaste. If you missed the intro and jumped straight into the episode, don't forget that my six-month Ayurveda Alchemist program is open for enrollment. This program certifies you as an Ayurveda lifestyle and wellness coach. It consists of 10 live lectures, fortnightly additional live Q&A support to keep you going, daily support inside the VIP Facebook community, two guest experts to help enhance your learning and help position your new business for success, and so much more. This is all delivered through an online portal, which can be downloaded as an app so that you can take this course with you wherever you go.
My Rose Gold VIPs will also get a 30-minute coaching call with myself. Spots are limited and we start on the 26th of August. To grab your spot today, head to harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au. I can't wait to welcome you to Ayurveda Alchemist. share a really personal story about myself and my background of how my embarrassment and lack of confidence helped me to really heal my own body but also help others live their most inspiring and healthy life. So as most of you are aware, I'm a registered nurse and have been for the last 15 years. So I've been helping people heal and I have been teaching them and educating themselves about their body and their health. I'm also a personal trainer, a Pilates instructor and yoga teacher. So I spend a lot of my time on stage with a lot of eyes on me. And... Although I have, have always eaten really well, I've always been into health and wellness, I've exercised my whole life, I suffered in silence with IBS, so that's irritable bowel syndrome and leaky gut for many years. And some of the symptoms were belly bloating, was gas, was burping, was pain through my belly, cramping, and really uncomfortable, uncomfortable symptoms. It also um, led to a lot of fluid retention and weight gain. So I felt really uncomfortable getting up in front of everyone as a quote unquote health professional and fitness instructor. At this time, my confidence fell to an all-time low. I tried diet after diet. I was on the search for that magic bullet that would finally work. I was eating less, counting calories, exercising more and harder. You name it, I tried it. But all the while, I was suffering on these diets. I was hungry, I was deprived, and I was moody. My hormones were, were wreaking havoc on me and my belly was not improving even on all of the diets because I know now I was eating the wrong things. I even tried a juice diet. Seriously, what the F? I know it is the worst diet for a Vata imbalanced person, which I was. But at that stage, I didn't understand this. So maybe you can relate and know how defeating this is. When your belly is constantly bloated, you look 20 weeks pregnant, you suffer with cramping, leaky gut, IBS, and despite the numerous visits to the doctor, gastroenterologist, and dietitian, nothing or none of the symptoms seem to subside until I took a step back and took charge of my life my emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. At my lowest point, I felt like a fraud, embarrassed, frustrated, and hated wearing my activewear, which I lived in. I hated getting on stage in front of others who were looking to me for guidance. So I decided that there had to be a better way. I made it my life's work to study the real science about life, Ayurveda, my body, food and nutrition and learn why I was struggling for so many years. And I learned how to heal my metabolism so I could not only lose the weight that I had put on, but also keep it off for good and to really minimize the IBS symptoms I was suffering. I finally felt freedom with food and my body and learned how to eat and take care of myself that felt nurturing rather than punishment, which led me to some pretty incredible results. 
So my passion now is to help others live a more balanced and inspired life using a method I know works and dates back more than 5,000 years ago. And that method is Ayurveda and integrated health. It is the science of life. I created the Ayurvedic Mind-Body Cleanse Protocol, which is a 12-week cleanse to detoxify your mind and your body. Because Ayurveda understands that the mind and the body are intricately connected. Ayurveda shares ancient wisdom that has been proven to achieve a healthy, balanced mind, body, and life. In my Mind-Body Reset Cleanse Program, you will have you, it's specifically designed for you at your initial consultation incorporating the protocol. The cleanse will consist of preparing the body, releasing and eliminating impurities and toxins, and rejuvenating the tissues. In Ayurveda, we say the datus. You will be supported throughout the process with one-on-one consultations with myself and Ayurvedic treatments such as lymphatic drainage massages. You will not only gain so much knowledge and insight about yourself, about your body, your mind and Ayurveda, but you will go on to live your most healthiest and inspired life. This cleanse will give you the tools that you will be able to use right throughout your whole life. So if this sounds something that you are interested in, if you suffer with leaky gut, IBS, bloating, weight gain, fluid retention, imbalanced hormones, skin that breaks out, mood changes, rapid mood changes, then please let me help you. Come and see me in my Ayurvedic and Integrative Health Clinic. You can book an initial consultation online with me Or if you wish, we can even tee up a free discovery call to see if this program is right for you. Namaste.